0: I'm a I'm hit it Here we go! What's up, y'all? I am Chris Charles. Welcome back to the show. We got Jake. We got Kyle on a wonderful what? Couple days till the NFL season actually gets on the field. What's going on, Phil?
1: I mean, the Hall of Fame game is upon us. Yes, football is back. I mean, it never really has ended for us for the most part but uh yeah i'm i'm super pumped super excited and uh and looking forward to it
2: fact, and we should be in canton ohio next weekend there you go. and the biggest part of the offseason where injuries start to happen yeah oh, I, I don't like that fucking hate it i don't hate
1: i, I don't like that at all like that I'm a, I'm that angry. may be the worst part of it
0: I'm, I'm angry right now it's too many already and it's already started like come on but before we get into that, man, we got a happy trails and I was noteworthy. I had to bring it up because I w- I was a fan of this man's game. And uh, Ryan Kerrigan, he announces his retirement after, what, 11 seasons in the NFL ten with the Washington football Whatever. team, I guess. I mean, OK, <laughs> fine. And the Philly Eagles, uh, Philly Eagles last year, former 16th overall pick in the 2011 NFL draft, four time pro bowler, ninety nine point five sacks. And I think he had four seasons. Uh, of nothing less than 11 sacks so i mean this guy was a baller in his own right i don't think he got enough respect and i honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's gonna eventually get a you know maybe not obviously first ballot but he'll he'll eventually get in the hall of fame
1: i mean honestly hearing you say that i feel like he's been in the league longer he kind of feels like one of those guys that's just been around forever like you you think remember like brian arakpo and stuff like that like that's what i'm associated i'm like that feels like forever ago so Happy trails to him. Uh, Like I said, I feel like he's been in the league for like 15 years at this point, but he
0: hasn't.
2: Kyle struggling. just remember the days of him at Purdue terrorizing (laughs) Michigan.
0: Yep. He was good. He did it it very well.
2: Constant producer. producer. I was kind of shocked because when he announced his time, I was like, is he really already there? Because it just feels like yesterday I was owning him on all of my dynasty leagues. I had IDP. Mm -hmm. He was one of your faves, Kyle. I did. I had him in a lot of areas. He was an he was an IDP crush of yours. Eh, I wouldn't say a crush, but nobody ever really because it was he was very underrated. These were all, like, these were all like auction salary leagues, and nobody. I would always get him for super cheap, <laughs> so that's why I always had him. So you're was, a cheap bastard. Got works. it. Duly noted. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> he was super underrated, but I mean, like I said, he's obviously not a first ballot. But 100 sacks in a career is not too bad for what 11 years. That's pretty damn good. Overall production, but I mean, injury roundup time round them up, round them up because good God, we got a bunch of them. We'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Ryan Jensen carted off with that knee injury. I mean, I haven't seen if it's been confirmed if it's season ending just yet. It might have been, but I mean, they also lost Tristan Worfs, I believe today or yesterday. So, I mean, God help Tom Brady right now. He might be maybe getting Julio Jones playing tackle at some point.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to throw Julio down as the second tight end to start blocking or something because now I think they have enough depth to be quote-unquote okay. Now, obviously losing Jansen is not ideal after they lost both guards this offseason. Luckily, they got Shaq Mason from New England, so that somewhat helps uh, right there. And I believe they drafted what was Luke Gadecki. I think, in the second round, I believe. So, I mean, they have some options there. uh, But, yeah, they can't really take much more at this point. This is a team that was decimated in the secondary like a year ago. They can't really afford to have their offensive line take a hit because they're going to live and die by however many points Tom Brady can put on that board. And and if he's always running for his life – actually, Tom Brady can't really run for his life. He just falls for his life Mm -hmm. because he's really just not the the scrambling type. But, yeah, they they got to figure out how to protect him and keep him
2: upright talked about it in my video today with the loss of like Jansen. Cause I've had a few people ask, well, you know, what does this do to Leonard Fournette? Was it due to Tom Brady? I'm not willing to kind of jump off any type of ships at this point, not just yet. because what you are. Is no, you not said? yet. Not oh, yet. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, because I mean, they did end up, you know, they brought in the kid from new England in that trade after they lost both of their guards and he's considered, you know, a, a pretty decent, uh, Uh, a a pretty decent player i mean not the level that like kappa was or anything like that but they end up bringing somebody to help out there so that's good um and then you know still offensive tackles are pretty sturdy as well so not really missing anything there um and tom brady i mean was just singing like super praises of this kid that's going to be stepping in at center now and said that he's been a guy that's been just taking everything in and listening and understanding and really trying to learn. So when his time came, he'd be ready to go. And he thinks he's going to be ready to go. So, I mean, if you can't trust the goat, who can you trust? It's
0: it's a toughie. It's a toughie. I mean, you're losing Jensen. You're losing worse. I'm worse. Probably is going to be likely week one return. I would want to say, I don't worse. Wait a
2: second. I thought today they said it was only a cramp.
0: Oh, was that what they said? Okay, I missed that one then. Because yeah, I thought, a couple I of thought, hours afterwards, broke. they oh, said okay. it was only a cramp. Okay, fair enough. So then it's not worse. So he's fine. Oh, so then okay, you did scare me there. Well, <laughs> yeah, scar- it, was like, oh God, what it scared me because I was like, "You're losing Worf's and Jensen for any amount of time. That's ridiculous. That offensive yeah. line's going to be brutal." But okay, if Worf's was just a cramp, well, that's good news for them. But I mean. Moving right along to Pittsburgh, I mean, Najee hurts his foot day to day right now. He was, I believe, carted for a bit, but I mean, in camp when they're carting players, it is just precautionary to get him off. Everybody's the field. on a cart. That's right. So Everybody. it's 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 not a big big deal. But I mean, Najee hurting his foot does give me a little bit of uh, pause because I mean we know this man's going to touch the ball like 400 times this year, and I mean if his foot is hurting now. I mean, they're going to have to amputate the shit after the end of the season because of all the workload he's going to get.
1: They're going to get almost 400 touches again. Wait, like 380, I think, last year or something like that. But luckily it sounds like he's going to be okay. But like you said, the, the volume that he's going to get, they really need to be careful with him in the preseason. I don't think he really needs to do a whole lot there's not really a whole lot that he really needs to, to start understanding. They need to protect that guy because if they're going to have any success, people want to sit here and boost up George Pickens highlights because he's making a bobbling catch. I don't know. But they, I mean, yeah, I love George Pickens. I'm, but if, I'm one of them. <laughs> but if those guys are going to be great, yeah, yeah. they yep. need Najee to be a solid running back because the 100%. quarterback play is not stellar. It's not going to be horrible, but it's not stellar. They need that running game to be something that draws defenders inside the box. Because if Najee's hurt, Najee's out, He's not hundred percent. They're going to be able to take away a lot of those weapons on the outside. They need Najee.
2: Yeah. And if this, if this team cannot stay balanced, holy cow defenses are just going to pin their ears back. They're just going to go after Pickens They're going to go after Trubisky or pick it, pick pick it. They're just going to go after these guys. And they're just going to, they it's, that's all it's going to be because they know they're not going to have to worry about the run game at that point. Cause I'm sorry, Vinny Snell ain't it. And then they're just going to go, they're just going to go after him. And that's when, uh, that's when things can go downhill very quickly. So for me, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you, you guys have just got to stay healthy. And if that means that Najee just needs some time, I mean, keep this guy out of preseason games, maybe just give him a couple of touches here or there runs to the sideline where he can just get out of bounds really quick. Just keep the man healthy.
0: And I mean, Anthony McFarland isn't anything, neither Snell, like you said, I mean, so the cupboards are pretty bare, man. Jeremy McNichols, they got, but the the rookie, undrafted rookie free agent, Jalen Warren, he is one to watch out for. I do believe that he will crack this roster. I do believe that he's going to be able to break, uh, you know, at least Benny Snell off this damn roster because Warren is, he's a good back. And, and I mean, I think that he's definitely underrated, but I mean, outside of Najee, you really don't have a heck of a lot. And I mean, if you're going to go into the season with a, I don't want to say he's going to be hurt because he's still young enough that he could recover very quickly. But Najee is going to be the cream that makes this offense uh, rise to the top.
1: Did you just call him cream cream to the top. The cream rising to the juicing, top. Is it new nickname Cream Harris? There you go.
2: Cream wow. it up.
1: Wow. All I'm going to, I'm not even going to touch on that one. Cause it could go oh, I was gonna oh, say. It's it's probably best
2: if we just move on yep. Yeah,
0: cre- cream up to the top. And I mean, what's not creaming at the top is uh, chase Claypool. He's day-to-day with a shoulder injury and I mean, day-to-day fine, whatever. But the reason I bring this one up is because the way that this man plays football, I it's like, you know, And I'm not saying it's Calvin Johnson. It's Calvin Johnson with injuries because of punishment that the individual is going to take because of how he plays the game. He plays it very rough. He takes a lot of punishment. And these are the types of players that get their careers cut short because they don't understand how to protect themselves. As much as I love me, Chase Claypool, I am very, very worried about the long-term effects on this man. And I mean, already a shoulder day to day. I believe he landed on it wrong. Fine. But I mean, are you guys worried about that? Because that's that's always in the back of my mind. That's a fear with a Chase Claypool.
1: I think if you look at it from like a football perspective, yeah, probably. From a fantasy football perspective, it doesn't really worry me because where he's going in drafts, you're not reliant on him anyway. He's kind of one of those guys that you stash on your bench and you hope that he pans out and turns into something. If he doesn't, you're really not out a whole lot. But I totally understand that the way he plays is just not very – I don't want to call it not smart, but he's very – you know, risky with his body. Like he is not afraid to go do whatever needs to be done on any given play, which I love to watch from our perspective. Love it. Hate it because he's always hurt. Hopefully this isn't anything big. He can bounce back from him because I think Chase Claypool more than George Pickens, even more than Deontay Johnson has an opportunity to be a big thing in this offense this year with the kind of role that he could have.
2: So here's a question for you. Since we're on the topic of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we talked about this, I don't think it was last week, a couple weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, talked about Deontay Johnson because they announced today that it sounds like they're Perfect. trying to start working on a deal together. However, they're very far apart. So is this Pittsburgh really, do you think this is Pittsburgh really actually working on a deal with him or just kind of that, hey, just let everyone know we're trying over here, but it's never going to get close enough to get something done? is it a smoke screen they ain't
1: gonna pay him that much money no I I wouldn't think so So. I I mean if they were gonna pay him they they would have paid him before DK and Debo got paid right I mean because you got to expect even though they're a different style of of wide receiver DK and Debo Deontay Johnson is going to go after similar money than than what they're getting like it's just the way that the market works they're kind of different styles obviously but Deontay Johnson is going to put himself right up there with all those people, and he's going to demand 20-plus a year, and I just don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers doing that. If they're going to, why do they continually draft wide receivers that have potential? Like To me, it just seems like it's just like a farm system, right? You get drafted to Pittsburgh, you know you're going to have probably – One deal in there, your rookie deal, maybe we'll extend you for a year, and then that's about it. And then they just move on to the next. And George Pickens seems to maybe be that guy. Calvin Austin is in the mix as well. So you got Chase Claypool again here. So, I mean, it's just – it kind of seems like a revolving door. I can't see them paying him what they're going to have to pay him in order for him to want to sign it.
0: Can we say that Deontay would fit in the same kind of category as a Terry McLaurin? type of wide receiver, right? So if that's the case, he's going to demand at least Terry money and Terry got paid too. And, and like you said, with Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, like we, we've talked about this before when it came to like the Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace situation back in the day where they had to choose who they wanted to pay. And obviously it was a B over Wallace, let Wallace walk. He scored on the open market. But but Pittsburgh, when it comes to linebackers and wide receivers, Pittsburgh just knows how to draft these players and develop them with a George Pickens. Now Chase Claypool, yeah, you let Juju go. So you clearly didn't value and covet his skill set. I don't think they value and covet Deontay to that level either, especially with the fact he does have dropping problems also. So, I mean, is he truly a, a true wide receiver one in this league? Deontay, I still question it.
1: I mean, Juju is not very far removed from having a 1,400-yard season in Pittsburgh. Right. With it's a- not B- like he with was With just,
0: A.B., though.
1: Yeah, right, but I'm saying, but it's not like he just has never done anything there. Like, they had no issues looking at his body of work and saying, peace be the journey, have a good one. And if they're going to do that for all these guys that you just mentioned, why would they not do the same thing for Deontay? Yeah, I just... It's because the market has gotten so crazy. I think they want to keep him, but yeah. the, the crazy- at the, con- at the right
0: price, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the, the, the crazy the right contracts
1: yeah, over the last six to eight months have yeah. blown the wide receiver market out of control to where that's a lot of damn money for one wide receiver.
2: And it's not like, And it's not like we've seen like- I mean, we have, but it's not like we've seen like a steady progress of this money rise. It's literally been over the last year that all of a sudden these yeah. contracts- Boom, have just shot through the roof and it's like, all right, you're paying your edge rushers, you're paying your quarterbacks, you're paying your wide receivers like that's kind of number three on the list right now in terms of NFL teams thinking okay who do we need to have now, and it hasn't necessarily been that way in the past for the most part I mean guys have gotten paid but it hasn't been this kind of money that's been crazy so yeah i mean if the price was right maybe half of what like debo or dk got yeah but Deontay's going to be looking for the same thing and i talked about it on my video today The chase claypool has been working out of the slot in training camp a lot and i really like that like i think that's mismatch Heaven for chase claypool and i mean this was a guy that a lot of people were talking about him like potentially moving to tight end when he came into the league because they thought that he could be like a mismatch and he has that route tree capability to do that in the intermediate area he comes in and he's more of a deep threat to start but now you've got a guy that if he's moving to the slot If you're Deontay Johnson, all of those intermediate targets that you've been looking at the last two to three years that have really made you a top asset for like fantasy owners, those could end up being gone because now you got Chase Chase Claypool in that area that can win, you got Pat Firemuth in that area that can win, and you've got the short routes with Najee Harris. So now all of a sudden, all those targets that were essentially yours are starting to disappear. So is he even going to put up the numbers that we've seen this year? If Claypool stays in the slot,
0: yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, I'll play devil's advocate as you are talking. I was thinking because we have seen every team in the NFL copycat the situation where they're going to play on the rookie contract of the quarterback, and with a with a picket on the on the roster now, first year as a rookie, you, you're not ho- overly invested in a Mitchell Trubisky to believe unless he's actually going to you know boom this season and showcase the potential talents that everyone thought he could be. I mean, if, if it is just to say for argument's sake, it's going to be Kenny Pickett moving forward. They're going to move on from Trubisky. You're not, you're not paying uh, uh Pickett for five years. So why wouldn't they entertain paying Terry the money or uh Deontay Terry money? If, if that's the case, because they would have it essentially with not paying your quarterback.
1: They could, but I mean, they are paying a lot of other people too. I mean, TJ Watt is making a freaking redonkulous amount of money. Mika Fitzpatrick's making a ton of money. I mean, they're, they, they spend a lot of money on defense. You know I mean? Like that just seems where they always spend their money is defense. And I understand it makes perfect sense. I, I just don't know if they feel like they need to, do we need to spend that money on this position? If we lose Deontay, are we okay? And I think this is going to be the perfect time for them to find out this year, because if yeah. chase is already somewhat banged up, Pickens is going to get an immediate role. If Pickens comes out and is weekly, you know, solid you might as well just wave goodbye to
2: deontay johnson i mean i think he's the next one in line too if you've looked at all these wide receivers that they've drafted that's right Pickens seems to be the next one in line because again it's a guy that you mean you look at him could have gone a lot higher than what he did, slipped in the draft for different reasons. And now all of a sudden, so, and then you got to pay, not like you're going to have to choose either. Cause you're going to have to pay Najee if you want to try and keep him around. And if you pay Deontay Johnson, I can't see you paying Najee Harris because then you find yourself in the same situation a few years ago where you've got this bell and Antonio Brown type of situation where you've got half of your cap space going to two different guys. It feels like, so mm-hmm. I, I just can't see him paying him. I can't see him doing it. Nope. Not not it. with Pickens. If Pickens comes yeah. out, like I said, he's
1: solid, he will be crowned as the the next guy going forward. They'll wave goodbye to Deontay Johnson and it'll be Pickens going forward.
0: And it was the injuries for Pickens that made him fall. And it, it was it's such a the fact that he was able to come back and play in the college football playoff on that recovered ACL. And he showcased the talent. His tape galore is just unreal. And I think that he is a true alpha. And if he does show it this year, I think he's going to be one of the hottest receivers that everyone's going to talk about that slipped in this draft. But
1: for, for some reason, I have no idea why. I don't care for George Pickens.
0: Really? I love George Pickens.
1: And it has nothing to do with the talent of him or his yeah, game. Yeah. It's just I look at it and I'm just like, eh, I'm just not – I'm not – I'm not excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just – you see guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all these young guys and they come out and you're like, dude, this guy is going to be the next thing. I look at Pickens, solid wide receiver, but I just don't get as excited for him. And maybe a lot of it has to do with the situation that he's in. He's not going to get the immediate alpha role as of right now. So he's going to have to be a year removed. Talent-wise – for sure. I mean, hopefully he can, you know, stay healthy and and get a consistent target share. Cause if he does, it's going to be very telling, you know, just a
2: few weeks into the season. Yeah. And I mean, but that's kind of like, That's why Pickens kind of reminds me of what we've seen so far. I think Pickens is probably closer to being like Deontay Johnson number wise than Antonio Brown. But, you know, they had like Heinz Ward, you know, they drafted Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown isn't like the big thing right away, but he starts to come in and then you have Antonio Brown and you bring in Deontay Johnson. He starts to come in or you bring in Juju. He I mean, he kind of went off right away, but then you have, you know, Deontay Johnson come in and you let Juju walk and Deontay Johnson slowly builds up and then chase Claypool like decent first couple of years. It just I, it, it's probably not Antonio Brown ish, but I definitely could see it being more towards what, and you know, Deontay Johnson has done for them. And that's perfect. Cause then you don't have to pay Deontay Johnson to do the same thing. <laughs> exactly.
0: And he's a bigger wide receiver can do contested catches. Red zone appeal is there. So I'm in it. I like it, but you know what? You cursed this man last week, Jake, you talked about his services and I'm blaming this shit on you, man. James Washington gets a Jones fracture six to 10 weeks. He is out, man. A poor guy breaks his foot. Thanks Jake. You can send him some flowers. With that being said, fault.
1: let's talk about Jalen Tolbert for a second. (laughs) Oh man, I didn't even
0: need to preach it because you Um, know, what's funny, even with, even with James Washington, I was preaching up a James Tolbert and now it's his opportunity to lose.
1: Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is he's going to get the opportunity. Now before wasn't really an issue with just the player. It's like, how many targets is he legit going to get every week? Well, now without James Washington, Jalen Tolbert is going to get weekly targets in an offense that for years, and I don't care the head coach they're going to throw the ball a lot in Dallas with Dak Prescott everything that they have out with Michael Gallup already coming out and saying hey I'm not going to be good to go week one like those targets are going to have to go somewhere Zeke Pollard Tolbert and CeeDee Lamb along with Dalton Schultz are going to get just continually peppered with touches and I am all for it. Jalen Tolbert is a guy that even in our mock draft video last week I took him in the last round I told people like listen just stash this guy don't Go, don't go into the season expecting a whole lot. Well, now all of a sudden that has changed. You're going to take this guy at the end of your drafts with the mindset of, I hope I don't have to start him, right? Because you never want to have to start the guy that you get in round 14, because then you know some things are going wrong. But he could turn into something, you know, super solid that gives you added depth, gives you a flex play, you know, in good matchups, gives you a bye week fill gives you trade bait, whatever it may be. But he is definitely somebody
2: that it can produce at the NFL level with his skill set. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Gallup because I mean, Gallup, obviously the ACL last year signs the contract extension. So he's sticking around in Dallas. He's he's basically come out and said, it's not realistic for me to be back in week one started training camp. They were like, Oh, looks good. They were kind of, it sounded like a little bit of coach speak there, but then he comes out just, I think it was just even yesterday and said, Hey, I'm not going to be ready for week one. Well, how far along is he going to be ready for? Because I think the one thing that worries me about Tolbert is that we know that CD lamb is going to be the guy. He's going to be the wide receiver one. We know that Dalton Schultz has been Dak Prescott's go-to over the last couple of years. He's kind of the guy where it's been like, Hey, yeah, his binky, his safety blanket. That's the, that's the safety net there for Dalton Schultz. So then at that point, Is Tolbert going to get target three type numbers, or is he going to get target four because Tony Pollard is going to be a guy where maybe they step him up a little bit here at the beginning of the season, knowing that there's not going to be any James Washington. So that's kind of the X factor for me is how much is Tony Pollard going to get worked into this offense and get the targets? If Tolbert gets target three type of share to begin the season, I mean, he's a guy in like really good matchups. He could be a flex start for some people right off the bat. But if, but if they don't go to him, if they go to Pollard first and he's more of the target four on this team, that's at the point where, yeah, you've got him. but like, can we get him going before Gallup gets back? Because if you don't and Gallup gets back, then at that point, now he becomes number five and then he's basically unusable for the rest of the season. So that's just the one thing with me that I'm keeping my eye on is is Pollard's kind of the X factor for me there in terms of what does Tolbert do off the bat and how quickly does it come to fruition?
0: So the issue I have with this whole thing with Pollard, so we know because I'm, I'm in agreement. I think that Gallup is going to be probably out until like halfway point of the season. I just don't see it too early to recover, to get back to full speed. We've been saying this about ACL early ACL recoveries, but when it comes to Tony Pollard, I completely get the overall stat line of saying whatever 1200 total yards, 1100 total yards that he can produce for this offense, which he did last year. Fine. I completely get that. But what is the offensive dynamic that we're supposed to see in Dallas with a Tony Pollard is my confusion. How are they going to morph this knowing that Zeke is still your number one and Pollard is going to put all of a sudden take over slot like this is what I'm I'm, I'm confused about and how big of a mismatch is this going to be on the field for this offense and how they operate. I just, I, is, is, is on the third is, is coach McCarthy and, and offensive coordinator, uh, Kellen Moore, that intelligent to install him as a slot weapon mismatch. So I get what you're saying that he could be taking a lot of carry or touches away in the past game. I just, I'm not as convinced. I mean, like how you're talking, George Pickens, isn't like your thing. Tony Pollard is good player, but he's just, I just don't see it to be this guy that's everyone wants to be this thing this year And I mean, he's going to give you probably half the games this year where he's going to have good flex appeal on matchup play Pollard will, but I got to feel like the, the Tony Paul or the uh, Jalen Tolbert thing is going to be a lot more safe as the year goes on, as he builds a chemistry with a Dak Prescott, but that's just me. I I'm, I'm ready to go for the wide receiver over the second running back taking touches.
2: Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of saying like X factor. And I'm not saying I believe Tony Pollard will be because I like, like you said, I Uh, He's a guy that could be weekly flex. And when we take a look at the overall numbers, he's a guy that absolutely is they look to spell Zeke a little bit more. um, And they look to, you know, get him off the field a little bit more than what they have in the past. He's going to get those touches that are, are needed. Um, but yeah, you know, you hit it the nail on the head. Is the coaching staff smart enough to do with Pollard what they need to? Because if if I'm the coach there, it's like, yeah, Pollard's getting into the slot. Like we got a mismatch, we got to put two running backs in the backfield, we got to cause a misdirection here, we got to do a little. Uh, do a little play action bootleg to Ezekiel Elliott, toss it to Tony Pollard on the other side in the flat, get people streaking down the field to clear that side of the field. I don't know if they're smart enough to do it. That's why for me, it's like, yeah, definite X factor, because like, you know, what are we going to see from them? And it that's why, if, you know, like Jake said, drafting him late, like right now. Yeah, absolutely do it, because then you can hold him and see what happens with Tony Pollard. And then you spent a last round pick on him. So if it happens, you end up getting rid of him. But just one of those things where it's kind of a caution where I know how people like to get super excited about rookies and they like Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, this guy's unseating everybody. I mean, we see it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Just where there's some people out there where it's like Jalen Tolbert's, the next things in sliced bread may not end up happening. Just be careful about it.
1: Sure. Do you think that Tony Pollard is in line to get more touches this year than last year? same i would hope so i, I think mean
0: i think it's going to be roughly the same personally even if he gets a 10
1: percent overall bump you're looking at 180 touches 185 touches mm-hmm. last year with that with only 170 still had a thousand yards and only two touchdowns it was the touchdowns that kind of held him back but to me where where pollard is going is somebody like and I'm going to say it's like the Austin Eckler version of this offense, but it's it's just not, he's not equivalent to Eckler in any means, but he's just somebody that you can put all over the place in different spots. He doesn't have to just be the pass catching running back. He can also run between the tackles. A lot of people want to write Zeke off. I know not all of our names are on that list just yet. I think Tony Pollard has the opportunity to get in the neighborhood of, even if it's just 15 more touches, this year, and if that's the case, you're looking at a guy that's hovering right around 1100 total yards and maybe close to four touchdowns or so. And for where he's going, especially those of you that like to take wide receivers early, he is the perfect candidate, in my opinion, to take a little bit later. If you didn't go heavy running back early, I'm choosing to believe
2: that Pollard's going to see a bump in touches, whether it ended up being a ton or just like you said, Jake, just a few
1: 15 to 20.
2: Yeah, it's just it's like he was he was so good last year when he did play. You know, why Mike McCarthy is an idiot. Right. (laughs) Right. And we see coaches do that all the time where they ignore the talent and they basically say, "Eh, we're going to keep it the same thing. So, you know, I'm choosing to believe, yes, we're going to see an increase in touches in some way, shape or form. So that's why it's like, what is exactly because he this he's going to be kind of. I mean, he's really the X factor for everything in this team, really, for me. I mean, we know CeeDee Lamb is going to be the guy, uh, you know, on the outside wide receiver one. But Tony Pollard is going to directly affect Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to directly affect wide receiver two. He's going to directly potentially end up affecting Dalton Schultz a little bit as well. So it's like, how much do they get him involved at this point? Because that's going to kind of work off everyone else. I'm choosing to hold out hope and I'm assuming Dallas is going to do the right thing and they're going to get the playmakers involved more often.
0: Yeah. And I mean, so we're talking even just average per touch. I mean, he's there, especially in the past game, 8.6, it's there. But what I want to, why I'm saying this, because even if it isn't Jalen Tolbert and and Michael Gallup is gone for argument's sake till say week four. Let's just say that. So TJ Vasher, another wide receiver they like. Noah Brown still very comfortable with the system. Semi Fihoko field burner. He's gonna likely have that role to stretch the field. Another rookie, uh, Dontario Drummond. He potentially has an uh, opportunity. I'm just saying the way have we seen offenses really morph. And I'm not arguing the point of uh, Tony Pollard's skill set because we know his skill set is there and he can actually produce good numbers for you. The 1100 yards, even with argument's sake, again, 20 more touches this season. It's going to give you viable PPR points, but have we seen enough offenses do this where they're taking the second running back? Maybe we see it this year. This is the new trend in the NFL, like the Bills are going to do potentially with the James Cook, et cetera. But I mean, I'm just I'm I'm worried. I'm almost thinking, what is the more sure thing? And I, I know you said X factor, and it's it's completely uh justifiable to say it as an X factor because you're putting the caveat to say it may not happen this year, like we all want to say. There is an opportunity there, but I really wonder if Dallas just wants to continue to go with their wide receiver talent as the you know primary and then use the running back as kind of like the scat, the the change of pace and then the mismatch. Like it's just one of those things that I'm still very iffy on with a Tony Pollard, but I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I'm just very iffy on it.
1: You better not say we're wrong. You're damn wrong.
0: (laughs) These guys are wrong. I mean, okay, let's move on because there's another bad one that we saw and it's Van Jefferson. And this one hurts. It hurts, but it's going to give... Other guys, opportunity, oh, Allen Robinson. We've been preaching him up for God knows how long, uh, you know, get on the bandwagon already. I mean, don't make me swear at all. You fuckers because it's going to come. <laughs> I just said it, whatever, but that Jefferson likely not ready for week one because he's going in for a minor knee surgery. He's had some issues with it. And I mean, they're trying to convert that tight end uh, last year's rookie. I forget his name, uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob. Something. Thank you. And I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got wheels. He's a tall guy, five. What he ran a four three nine, if I'm not mistaken, they're trying to convert him to a wide receiver as well. Is OBJ in the plans, but he's not likely back uh, very soon. But this is a big one for Allen Robinson, in my opinion, because I think that just he's going to just eat up targets now without Evan Jefferson.
1: Is this an opportunity to actually see if Tutu Atwell can hit the field?
0: <sighs> I'm not a fan.
2: Me neither. Who? Somebody was saying his praises a couple of weeks ago. I don't think it was yeah. McVeigh. I think it might have been. I just figured for a second-round pick, if it, if now is not the time, Agreed. it will never be the time. Agreed. You know, like it, it
1: just fits to have, you know, Cup and Allen Robinson. I think the problem is, is, like, the way that Cup's role is in this offense, 2-2 Atwell isn't really – Usable. You know, I mean Cooper Cup moves all throughout the field, but one of the things that keeps Cooper Cup on the field in every single formation, no matter what, is the way that he can run block. I mean, Cooper Cup is an amazing run blocking wide receiver, and nobody gives him credit for very few people give him credit for, but that's what allows them to do so many things with Cooper Cup that he just never comes off the field. Like they just need to keep him out there all the time. And that just means that 2 to well isn't a thing. I love Van Jefferson, been, you know, promoting Van Jefferson late in drafts for it feels like months now, hoping that he comes back quick. If he does, he's still a guy that I won't forget about and still stash on the bottom of my bench, because if he's healthy, I don't care if he's healthy for week one. I shouldn't have to start Van Jefferson week one in my league anyway. Shouldn't have to start in the first three or four weeks, regardless of how I draft. But what happens if he's good by week four, week five? And then all of a sudden we have something, God forbid, happen to Cooper Cupper Allen Robinson. All of a sudden the target share for one Van Jefferson gets borderline ridiculous, and we already know he can produce with it. So I'm not completely hopping off the bandwagon, but
2: I'm hoping for a quick recovery. Van Jefferson is one injury away from being virtually the <laughs> next breakout wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 100%. that's just how it is. Yep. Um,
1: Unfortunately, it was him that got injured.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) it was him that ended up getting injured. So, I mean, I'm keeping an eye on him. I I have a feeling he's probably going to go undrafted in a lot of leagues now, and people are going to kind of move over him. So I don't know if a draft pick will even need to be used on him because he might be available there on the waiver wire. Um, If you are drafting super early, like in the next week or two, Um, you know, skip on potentially defense and kicker and take Van Jefferson and just hold him and see kind of what the news is as we get closer to the season. And maybe if we get a better idea of a return until then, and then just pick up a kicker, because you're probably not going to be able to put him on the IR spot anytime soon. So he's going to end up taking up a spot. And that's why I feel like people aren't really going to use a pick on him right now. But I mean, I've always been a Van Jefferson fan. It's just, he hasn't really, I mean, LA keeps loading up on the wide receivers, which I can't complain because I mean, Cooper cup obviously, uh, is a beast. Uh, absolutely love Allen Robinson being there now. It's a, I mean, I'm ready for it. Yeah, it hurts. It
0: hurts. Van's my boy. And I mean, healthy recovery to that man, but the bad news, Tim Patrick ACL today confirmed done for the season. And I mean, this one, I kind of struggled with a little bit because he has been productive filling in for others that have gone down with injury. And he showcased his talent like he's not ever going to be looked at and viewed as this alpha wide receiver. Everybody needs to own and, you know, he's going to make the flashy plays. He was just uber consistent, even with shitty quarterback play. He would like, you know, he was just able to find the end zone and give you the good points. Like, I mean, even in full PPR leagues, he was giving you roughly like 11 to 14 points every week, If he, especially if he's scoring a touchdown. And you're like, damn, that's just gorgeous sitting in my flex spot. I love it all day long. Now, with him gone, I mean, it is interesting because it, it changes things a little bit. This actually now feels like Jerry Judy really has to showcase his talents more. I don't think it's it's really on Sutton because I think Sutton's going to be that guy we thought he could be with a Russell Wilson. Russ just knows how to feed those big wide receivers, but this to me feels like it's all on Jerry Judy. Now you got to you got to pick up where he's going to now let down Tim Patrick will and, and Jerry Judy. I mean the dropping problems that you know the inconsistencies. He's got to figure this shit out and I'm hoping that he does it and now with no Tim Patrick really standing in his way. Also KJ Hamler. He gets a potential bump as well and in this this offense now becomes a little bit more different and dynamic.
1: Yeah. That's the thing is it's weird. Like as you're sitting here talking and you're talking about Tim Patrick, for some reason, can't even tell you the reason why a name popped in my head of somebody that he reminds me of. Remember like two years ago with the Eagles, Travis Fulgham? Oh, yeah, He yeah, kind of exactly.
0: came in. Yep, absolutely. And forbid, did,
1: did you know he's a, he's a Bronco now. Did you know that? Oh, that's right. He is He's on the Bronco. <laughs> so here I am thinking like, yeah, who's he reminding me of? It's just some oh, guy yes. that can go in and perform doesn't it. really, it's not expected. He's doing it with bad quarterback play. Right. And sure as hell, you guys on the same roster. So I, I think that KJ Hamler kind of gets first man up to get additional target share, but I a hundred percent agree that Jerry Judy is going to have to be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett in this offense. 100. Because because Cortland Sutton is going to be the deep ball guy. He's going to be the I mean, I hate to keep you know referring to the Seattle Seahawks here, but he's gonna be the DK Metcalf for Russell Wilson. Jerry Judy has to find a way to be productive in the middle of the field. And if he can watch out, because, I mean, we already know that Russell is highly accurate with the deep ball. We can find different ways to beat you. The running game isn't going to allow, you know, people just to totally you know forget about it. I honestly hate that Tim Patrick is gone, but I like it because I really believe that KJ Hamler is somebody that, deserves to have a shot to just to see what it what is it what what can he do in this type of offense you know russ has always been one of those quarterbacks that had like two guys right it was always just two guys it was lockett it was baldwin it was dk like there's just never he's not one that overly spreads it around unless it's a tight end position and then he'll make people relevant but this could be the first time that we've seen russell wilson with three wide receivers that are capable of doing very well at the positions that they're in they're not three alphas but you got an alpha on the outside with Sutton. You got the route runner with Jerry Judy, and you got the speed with KJ Hamler. and Then you pair that up with the, that backfield and offensive line. Overall, I don't think the offense really takes much of a hit here. As bad as that to say, because I feel bad for Tim Patrick.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, it, you know, I was also thinking about it from the perspective of does this offense kind of change a little bit because Tim Patrick is that tall, lanky wide receiver as well, like a Sutton. And and if if Jerry Judy has the ability to improve his games. Let's just say that right now, Jerry Judy's in second gear and he needs to get into fourth. Like this is the progression I'm looking for already. It's a bit, it's been enough. You've dealt with injuries, Jerry, you've been this way dropping problems. Like I said, you're in second gear. Let's get to fourth gear. I want to see you speeding down the freeway already. This is where I'm at when it comes to a Hamler who has, you know, is coming back from the injury and we know he's got lightning fast speed that he's going to be able to stretch the field. That's a great aspect to have do the Seahawks now or Seahawks do the, See, I got Denver, you, doing it now. you got me doing it. Do the Broncos employ double, more double tight end sets now because of Albert. Oh, go, go. Are you okay?
2: Albert. Oh yeah. Albert. Are you okay?
0: I try every time and I butcher it. Sorry, Albert, but Hey,
2: if and they uh, weren't, with, and if with they weren't,
0: why
1: they, yeah, why they draft Dulcich if they weren't going to?
0: And, and that's my thing, right? So, and they're both very athletic, pass-catching tight ends. So you can actually make this very multidimensional, very much run heavy, you know, fooling defenses, double tight end sets, one wide receiver, two running backs. You're really going to fuck people up defensively when you put this on the field. And then the play action pass, which Russell Wilson is extremely good at, he's going to be able to exploit both these tight ends who can go deep over the middle, over some, you know, zone coverage, tight uh, linebackers and slower safeties. I think this it's 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 terrible to say. I think this actually helps the Denver Broncos offense because now they don't necessarily have to, you know, try to incorporate a Tim Patrick anymore. Now they can use the other weapons that they do have and be better for it.
2: So all just for the listeners out there, complete transparency. I had to step away for just a second. So I missed a part of the conversation. So if this was already said, my apologies. I'll interrupt you if it was Okay. For me personally, yep, we said that already. Okay. <laughs> we keep getting the question of Move on. <laughs> Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, right? It feels like Jake, when it feels like we're getting a lot of those questions. You know, which one do I draft? Who do I take? What I mean at this point, I feel a lot ADP better is so about similar. Both of them. Yep. I feel a lot better about both of them because I was real I was really, really concerned that one of them wasn't going to get theirs because of Tim Patrick, KG Hamler. Albert, are you okay? Are they going to run more two tight end sets? And who was that going to be? But now knowing that both of these guys are probably going to be on the field a majority of the time, I'm feeling a little bit better about it. So for me personally, I'm still leaning towards Cortland Sutton a little bit just because we've seen it. And we know that those big bodied outside wide receivers like Russ likes to go to them and likes to really kind of lean on them. And he fits a little bit more of what, I mean, he's a little bit more DK Patrick or DK, (laughs) DK Patrick, DK Metcalf. And then for me, kind of looking Jerry Judy, maybe more along the lines of being a guy, you know, if you were to put him in the slot, KJ Hamler on the outside, maybe KJ Hamler becomes like the Tyler Lockett type of guy where he has some like really, really big games, but other games, he like just loses you weeks. So for me, I I still kind of feel like I'm leaning Cortland Sutton a little bit, but I'm I'm at more ease now also getting Jerry Judy at the right price, too. Agreed. I don't have an issue with
1: either one of them now. No, neither yeah. do I. And
0: and I mean, I think the safer bet's gonna be a Sutton at this point until Judy proves himself and puts him in fourth gear, like I'm saying. But they're both gonna be likely with a Russ Wilson very, very good. So Sky Moore gets a hip today, and uh this one kind of hurts because he was actually producing extremely well on this field in training camp. He started in mini camp, started flashing. Now in training camp, he's basically on a daily showing some highlights and and getting a lot of good uh you know repetitions with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is sucks for rookies, and it's not necessarily for a veteran, a veteran can have a camp injury and and then come back and almost not miss a beat when it comes to a rookie missing camp because of, you know, an injury, this really hampers their progression. And, and this one scares me a lot. So anybody that was really it, depending on how long sky Moore is going to be out, this one really, will be dictated by time. So if it's just a few days, no big deal. If he does miss a couple weeks, now I'm starting to put the red flag to say as high as we were on a guy like Sky Moore to potentially, you know, take some touches, be a late round waiver or, a, you know, late round pick and drafts. I'm kind of a little skittish on it now.
1: One thing I can say, and not to take anything away from Sky Moore, but what this really tells me is now I am almost, I can't put a number on it just yet, but I am damn close to 100% all in on Juju i love
0: juju too yep
1: because you're getting him in the seventh to eighth round yep and if if sky Moore is somebody who is either going to miss some time or behind the eight ball trying to catch back up Michael hardman has had his opportunity before you know i mean he hasn't really proven that he can be a volume guy sure a big play every now and again same thing with mvs in this offense the one guy that we have said all along that could rack up some receptions here is juju now if further you know the past month or so we've been saying yeah he's going to rack up the receptions but he's going to have like a Jarvis Landry Miami Dolphin S season where he's probably going to have like 900 yards now all of a sudden we could be seeing more vertical juju we're already seeing it in training camp with him making some great catches the chemistry is there we know that he has that uh, that ability cuz we saw it in Pittsburgh at times so it's not like he's just some slow trotter out there that can't you know get the ball down the field i love juju all of a sudden and I, he may be one of those guys that right there in those middle rounds that if I'm on the clock, I don't know if I can pass over him at that point of the draft anymore. I mean, Juju's almost a lock to be on every fantasy team that I can get him on right now.
2: This is going to sound kind of bad because I don't want to be the guy or I don't want to sound like the guy where it's like, oh, celebrating an injury, huh? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be that guy.
0: I just did but- that with Tim Patrick, so I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> fucking crucified in a second, too.
2: Um. I was kind of ignoring the Sky Moore hype, to be honest. And it wasn't because I didn't like him as a player. I still believe MVS is going to be a thing. Ooh. I mean, not a super consistent thing, uh, but a big enough thing that Sky Moore was at best the third target on or the fourth target on this team at, at best. Um, and then at that point too, it was how much does Ceh get involved in the passing game this year? So I was kind of off the sky hype just because I'm definitely a little bit higher on MBS than what some people are. But, um, you know, for me, I think this just kind of, it doesn't really solidify the juju love because I already loved juju and I was definitely on that bandwagon. If anything, it just, it's like, I'd rather take a shot at MBS late now, knowing that sky might not take, you know, a few targets away from him here or there, I think, Kind of a late round option, big play guy, might score some big touchdowns. Uh, I'm on board with that right now.
1: Dude, and here's what's crazy. I want to ask Chouse this question because I was looking at the ADP right here. That is like a super sweet spot for wide receivers, right? Where mm. Juju is at. Mm. You got Juju, Elijah Moore, and Rashad Bateman all in the same round. And honestly, mm. I have to. no issues I'm going taking Juju. I I, do, I will too, but I have no yeah. issues with any one of those guys at that point of the draft that to me almost seems like that right there tells me this is why I'm going running back early because I got guys like this in the seventh to eighth round. Are you kidding me? I can, I will gladly try out a couple of those guys each and every week because I know they're going to absorb some targets. And if I'm not getting the big studs at the beginning that are scoring all the touchdowns, I need the guys getting all the receptions a little bit later. That's a little sweet spot. So you're still going juju out of those guys, right?
0: I'll still go juju out of those guys because the volume is just going to be so consistent he had
1: 140 targets this year.
0: Right. And I mean, here's the thing. My knock on a juju in Pittsburgh was I didn't believe he could be the true number one without an Antonio Brown. That was my biggest issue. And I mean, he did prove that he can put up good numbers without a B. But it wasn't the same. You're talking 1,400 yards with an AB. That's the difference in what you get. He is a stellar, supreme wide receiver uh, to support piece to an alpha. That's what Juju is. And we we can't argue the fact that Travis Kelsey can be looked at as the guy in this offense to be the uh, favorite target right now with Tyreek on. So... This gives the support argument to say that Juju doesn't necessarily have to do it himself all the time. How many times have we seen defenders and and schemes, defensive coordinators scheme up against Travis Kelsey with their top defensive back? We've seen this many, many times. So, you know, this to me... It just opens the door that much more for this whole thing is for Juju. Patrick's going to get him the ball. We know this, and if Juju is—he's never had a dropping problem. He's always been a great route runner that can oh, get open based on separation in his route tree. I'm so good now. And Sky Moore to me—I guess the full circle. Sky Moore to me was the guy that I was on the fence on believing—not the skill set, but believing that he could be that next guy you could really trust. As he was playing in camp and the passes that they were making him catch, the routes they were making him run, I was turning into a believer because they were making him do big boy shit, and that changed my mind. Now with him injured, again, like I said, will his role be you know heavily utilized in this offense over veterans? Probably not because Andy Reid likes to go to the vets first, always. But now with an injury, like I said, it always puts a rookie uh, like two steps back. Juju just looks glorious in the seventh round.
1: I mean, wasn't it I don't know if we talked about this before, but that I Am Athlete podcast where Shady McCoy came out and Deshaun Jackson said that Randy, Andy Reid don't talk to rookies. He won't even talk to rookies. Rookies got to earn it is what they told said in that interview. Uh, Last time I checked Sky Moore is still a rookie, so I don't think he's going to all of a sudden absorb a huge role. He would have had a piece regardless of 100% health or not. Juju has kind of always been after Travis Kelsey option number one when it comes to volume in this offense after Kelsey.
2: Why do and you they, think Juju is going so late still?
1: People, people just don't like, he's one of those people
2: that people love to hate. Hmm. And it's just is it one of those of the dancing and stuff. Is it because Probably. of the TikToks or is it because I, they, I think it has they really do truly it. don't believe that he can produce in this offense?
0: I think they don't pr- believe that he's a true wide receiver one. I think that's the problem with the Juju because I'm in the same category, but in this offense, like I said, with a Kelsey, I think that he doesn't necessarily have to be because it's like when Calvin left the, the Lions, man. Stafford was, there was he was making up for it in the aggregate, man. He was using, uh, what, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and everyone else spreading the ball around, you know, systematically. That's kind of how you feel this offense in KC is going to go this year.
1: Yeah. If people love Patrick Mahomes the way they do, they're going to find a way to make it work. If, if they weren't, if they were worried, they never would have let Tyreek Hill go. That's it. He was not as much, as much as he was great for this offense and Patrick Mahomes, I think they kind of realized, Hey, with what we have with Mahomes, we can get some Tyreek Hill esque production on a lower level from guys like a Mecole Hardman from an MVS. And then we can just, you know, go, you know, you know, dink and dunk all the way down the field to the guys like Juju. Kelsey is going to be a problem for everybody every week. They have plenty of opportunities here to go around. They're going to throw the ball a lot. You don't, you don't have Patrick Mahomes and turn around and hand the ball off five hundred times a year. You know he's going to throw it. He's got to throw it to somebody. Kelsey's
2: going to get his, and now Juju's going to get his. Last question on this. Quick response. You have to put a percentage on it. Was what is the percentage that it was Tyreek Hill that made this offense and it bombs this year?
0: Mm, that's a great question.
2: Less than fifteen percent.
1: Speed is speed, right? I mean, that's true. They need, they're all professional. They all have speed. They're all fast. They need somebody that can stretch the field and actually be like a threat. The only thing that worries me is MVS as much as he possesses that dude's got to hold on the ball every once in a while. He's had some big time plays that he's had go through his hands. And if that's the case, if he can't connect every once in a while, not as much as Tyreek, but just every once in a while, defense are going to be like, don't even worry about doubling over the top. (laughs) Don't even worry. That's it. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll put another guy on Kelsey. We'll spy Kelsey instead. And that's the biggest thing. So as long as MVS every once in a while can make a deep play down the field or Hardman either, or I think we're good.
0: So I'm going to say it a little bit higher. I'm going to say about 35% because I think that Tyreek did a lot of things in this offense they're going to be different, so they're going to have to reinvent themselves. I should say. So there is the possibility that this offense could stall early on as they try to figure shit out without a Tyreek Hill. How is this run game going to morph? I mean, Ronald Jones. I'm completely out on Ch. Everybody can have him. I'm done with him. I'm at this point. If it's early and he and he booms this year, and I'm going to eat those words, I'm gladly going to eat him. He can be someone else's problem this year. I'm not touching him. Ronald Jones. You can almost say what. Between Ronald Jones and CH, how is this run game going to operate now? Who is going to be the outlet guy that's going to break free with speed and wheels to get you those big plays when you require them? So are they going to have outside of an MVS? Obviously, McCole Hardman from time to time. But is it going to be consistent nature? Because we saw how many times Tyreek, you, you need a big play. You go to Tyreek over the middle, over that linebacker, over the safety coming down, and they're making a like a 20 yard play. It's going to be very interesting. I'm not saying that it's they're going to bomb, but I'm I'm going to say, you know, 30 to 35% is a potential bus factor in this offense.
1: Come on, Miko. Miko. Come on, Miko, you can do it.
2: I'm, I'm just say- I'm giving I'm giving MVS the chance to break open before Miko. I feel like I've seen enough from from him at this point.
0: And I don't hate that. I don't hate it whatsoever. But I if, think- if, if
1: MVS it. couldn't get it
2: going with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, well, how, I much, part- how much do
1: you need to be spoon-fed? you going from Aaron
2: Rodgers to Patrick Mahomes. Come on. Well, I think I think part of the problem with MVS, too, was he kept getting hurt or COVID or something over the last couple of years where it was, like, just when it seemed like there was something going to happen there, like, all of a sudden, boom. Like, MVS was, like, he was getting force-fed some targets. I forget what week it was last season but aaron Rodgers like missed him on like an easy slant route like at the goal line threw it behind him and then he overthrew him twice in the passing game and then he came back the week after that and they looked to be a little bit more in sync and then he got covid and then he ended up being out for something it just feels like like that may have been what so if he can stay healthy and stay on the field and he's got patrick mahomes now we might be we might be working with some magic
1: he has averaged over 16 and a half yards per reception the last three years and yeah, that's
0: potential. It's so the deep big play there. That's There's right. potential.
2: That's right. There is. I also could hurts. just be let down again. You yeah. could be fair.
0: You're setting yourself up for a big letdown potential. <laughs> this one hurts me and I hate it because it's the Buffalo bills, Jordan Poyer. He hyper hyper extends his elbow today. And now he's likely gone for the rest of training camp and preseason likely wouldn't have played that much. Now adding to the injury to Mika Hyde out with a hip uh, flex or hip pointer I don't like a preseason and training camp. Can we just get to the uh, week one, please? Because this is my greatest fear for my team. Both are starting safeties. The the top pairing, one of the top pairings in the NFL. Now, both on the sidelines I and with Trey White on the sidelines, this has disaster written all over. it. if they don't get healthy, my God, I'm scared.
1: Not to mention, you got defensive players picking fights with Josh Allen. Yeah, during I, saw practice. yeah I saw
0: that. There's I mean, no, no, no.
1: I know. I mean, that's the whole <laughs> thing is. Is that a big deal to me? No, because it's oh, just yeah. it's alpha emotions getting the best of you at a time sure. where you're, you're I get all that. But, dude, you you touch Josh Allen, you have a problem like no don't there is <laughs> you can touch. I don't care who you touch in this organization, but you don't touch Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like to see that that grit a little bit to me. Buffalo's always seem to have it, but they didn't always show it. You know, I mean, it was always like they were just quiet about it, but like they were respected. I feel like if they come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, mm. that it would be a good thing for them because it just seems like, agreed. I mean, they're very, very you know, blue collar. You know, what I, mean? I get it, but every once in a while, I want to come out and do like a, a Baker Mayfield crotch grab or something. You know, what I mean, just just mm. tell the tell the other team that you are here to, to for business. You know, what I mean, and I think something like this, maybe a little bit of adverse adversity early on in the season, may be good for them because honestly, the last couple of years have been somewhat of a, a cakewalk in the regular season for them. They kind of need to maybe not have that big cushion at the beginning of the year to where they can uh, kind of let off a little bit. They need to start week one and feel like they're playing from behind already. No opinions, Kyle. Kyle's like, I'm a Lions fan. I, I,
2: I don't. <laughs> okay. We can, move. <laughs> we can I mean, move how on. Much do we have bet. to talk about Josh Allen. Come, Come on, on.
0: <laughs> a lot, man. A lot Fine. Let's talk about some other quarterbacks who, you know, could be conceived as dirtbags, but Deshaun Watson gets his six game suspension, this whole thing right now. So I'm going to put two in the same category because I mean, fine, let's start here. Deshaun Watson with the contract that he has structured right now, the suspension will only cost him three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars. $100,000. And I mean, the NFL wanted indefinite suspension for at least one year. They do have three days to appeal from when the suspension was announced. I really don't think they will. That's number one. But the funny aspect of this entire thing was the NFL decided to release the Miami Dolphins punishment the day after the Deshaun Watson thing. Nobody can tell me that this isn't uh, uh, Roger Goodell and his cronies sitting there and plotting because that's exactly what they did. We know that the Deshaun Watson shit is going to, you know, bring a firestorm in the media, on Twitter, on social media. You know, everyone's going to criticize and say, how can this guy get six games when he's accused of assaulting or, you know, whatever, uh, 25 plus women, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever your opinion is on that, that's that's fine. That's not the argument here today but now you're in the NFL front office and you're like, Hey, we're going to actually now find the dolphins. We're going to remove their first round pick the following year. And, and the owner is also what $1.5 million because they tampered with Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So this is look at this maneuvering, this magic that this NFL is doing when it comes to maneuvering the NFL poster boy, the goat of the NFL with Sean Payton, one of the highest respected coaches in this league now are in the news saying that they had some tampering because they were going to go to Miami. Now the Deshaun Watson thing kind of fades into the background just a little bit. Look how the NFL does this. Just want to touch base, you guys. Go so through.
2: I I said this in my video, the breaking news video I did for Deshaun Watson yesterday. I'm not going to comment too much on the Deshaun Watson situation. Everybody has an opinion on that. Um. And I wouldn't say that you're right or wrong, depending on the depend- on the opinion you have, because I think this is a situation where there's just a lot of things that are just very weird. And there's a lot of things that are very true and things of that nature. So from a pure football standpoint, I think we have all known for the for a while that the NFL doesn't have a clue what they're doing when it comes to suspensions. And if you look at, and again, not making a comment on Watson himself and whether or not what did or did not happen when you look at the allegations against him and what he has settled and what he has gone through when you look at that compared to other suspensions in the nfl over the last like let's say 10 years it it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and when you if you just look at it compared to other suspensions the nfl needs to do a better job in terms of how they handle these things because it 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 is kind of ridiculous at this point
1: I think one of the biggest issues, it's not just with the NFL. I mean, you think about it, do this like in a day-to-day business perspective. You have company guidelines, you have company rules, you have sets of, hey, if, if this happens, then this happens to you. It just seems like the NFL just takes every case, like case by case, and there's just no you know, consistency across the board with it. That is probably never going to change as much as a lot of people complain about it. Uh, I don't see it changing whatsoever. Was it well timed on the NFL's part to drop the Miami Dolphins news the day after? One hundred percent? That was definitely done on purpose because they're trying to deflect. But it's just one of those things that that happens everywhere. It's not just the the NFL that does that. A lot of people find things that happen and they'll, they'll talk about something else. They want you to they see this over here but then pay attention to me over here. You know what I mean it's just it's just the way things go nowadays and especially with social media because a lot of people have the ability to deflect attention in different spots. Do I care about the quote unquote tampering and stuff? I mean I think it's kind of stupid honestly. As far as the Miami dolphin stuff, I mean Okay, so the timeline. You have a legal tamping
0: (laughs) (laughs) period. What uh, is that? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But only because they were under contract, and then still Sean Payton was uh, technically under contract with the Saints, even though he is retired. Retired, yeah.
1: yeah, It's just kind of, that one to me is like, okay, stupid, whatever. Luckily, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, they have retooled this year, so they don't need their (laughs) first-round pick next year. So don't be too worried from that perspective. Your team is still going to be pretty good unless they bomb, unless they <laughs> bomb this year yeah they're not gonna um, bomb
2: but good i know Lord. we're getting a little bit closer to the end of the show can i can i share an interesting fact with you all that i just read on twitter
1: hmm. as long as you don't share the person who said it because i have yeah, a feeling this it's is, really
2: this, is a, this is like a well-respected journalist it's sarah spain that tweeted it
1: never heard of her. go, go ahead
2: <laughs> she's for espn so sarah spain a couple of weeks or a couple of hours ago tweeted tom brady has been involved and all three forfeited first-round picks in NFL history, <laughs> with the 08 pads illegally videotaping Jets yeah. coaches' signals on the sideline, the 16 pads for deflating footballs used in the 14 AFC Championship, and the 22 Dolphins for tampering with Brady and Bay.
0: Unbelievable!
2: This man—he
0: <sighs> took John Madden's or whoever it was that said, "Hey, if you're not cheating, you're not, I'm not winning. Trying. Or, yeah. you're not trying." Yeah. And in
2: this situation, too, it was like he probably didn't even really have anything to do with it because the dolphins came to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I mean, when, when we saw that story come out, that it was him and uh, Sean Payton actually working to try to get to Miami and then, you know, and then it it, it faded very quickly and say, no, it's all, you know, hearsay and nothing's going to happen, but 2023, uh, first round pick for that shit. Unbelievable. But goodness, man, we got to talk, man. DK Metcalf, three years, $72 million, 58.2 million guaranteed. 49ers extend Debo basically, what, two days later, three years, $73.5 million, $58.1 million guaranteed. Debo comes out and says, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win on this team while DK signs with no quarterback. And, And so there's two situations here with DK. It's interesting to me because... You know the, the the writing might have been on the wall to say that you know DK was gonna be leaving. How they treated his boy Bobby Wagner, Russ gone, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that he signed has the inclination that he believes Seattle's going to be a dump fire this year, and they're likely going to be in on CJ Stroud or Bryce Young next year, which then gets my juices flow like definitely flowing you got to say cj Stroud, bryce young kenny walker dk metcalf tyler lockett hey i can get on board with that damn offense in any day any 100
1: uh-huh. percent. part of me still thinks that it, he doesn't care who his quarterback is because he just sure. got paid regardless but sure. i mean he seems like the type of guy that still wants to go out there and he doesn't just seem like a diva that just is doing it for the money type thing. Like I don't feel, I don't see anything that DK Metcalf has done over the last few years to make me think, Oh, he got paid. He's somebody to avoid now. Cause he's not going to try anymore. Like that just doesn't, you know, equate to me. So he's going to go out there and play. I don't know if he cares who his quarterback is. I mean, I think honestly, if anybody's going to have a, a quote unquote inside to that, it may be have been during that deal But like, Listen, man, I understand this year is going to be tough, but you're on a contract here. We want to make sure we take care of you for the future. We have some plans going on. I don't see any scenario where Seattle doesn't get one of those quarterbacks that you named in 23. It has to right? I mean, there's it just to. There's just you know that's not the franchise there. You have majority of NFL teams with their future franchise quarterback, a lot of young talent, and as much as they have there, there's not gonna be as many QB needy teams in the draft next year. One of them has to be going to Seattle. Like i mean, it just it has to, I think, regardless of, of what they finish, but obviously in that division, probably not gonna be contenders. Uh, I love it for DK. I love it a little bit more even for fantasy now because now I know that we're not gonna have a alan robinson type s situation to where he doesn't want to go out there and get hurt and and risk getting paid he's already gotten paid so we know he's going to go out there we know he's happy we just need drew lock to give him the ball every once in a while uh down the field because we know he's he's one of those guys that's just a difference maker in the nfl
0: and who is literally gonna be on the bottom floor in the draft this year as i'm looking through this houston's a candidate but they got davis mills yes would they likely upgrade probably sure with those two quarterbacks probably right We have Jacksonville potentially on the, on the bottom floor again, but they already got Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to be interested. Chicago is going to be a dump fire this year. They got Justin Fields. They're not going to be in on a quarterback. So you're talking Seattle's in that mix. Who else are we talking about here, man? We, we don't have a lot of teams, maybe the New York giants, but I think they're going to win at least six, seven games this year. So they're not going to be in the running for the top quarterback, the jets. They got a quarterback. I don't know, man. I think, this has got the makings for Seattle and they see the writing on the wall. They're saying, like you said, DK, here's your bag. And we're going to go get you a QB next year because we're only going to win like three games. Detroit's going to need a quarterback next year.
2: Detroit, will, even if will they, they win better? more
0: than five though. Well, I here's the win.
2: thing. Even if they don't win more than five, they've got two first round picks still. That's right. So They're going to be in a prime area that if you have a Houston a Jacksonville, a Chicago, maybe not Chicago. I don't know if Chicago would be willing to trade with Detroit to let them come get the QB of the future. But if you've got a team that finishes at the top that already has that quarterback, they're going to be like, yeah, we'll move back. Why not? Let's do it. Let's get some more first round picks. So even if Detroit doesn't finish that high this year, they're still in a great spot where they could trade both of their 2022 first rounders, another first rounder, in 2023 if they wanted to and i think they have a couple of second rounds coming up as well so i mean they've got more than enough ammo to come up and get one of those quarterbacks this year if they want to or they'll be the lines and they'll suck and they won't have to move up because they will already be there <laughs> and they'll just keep jared guff that's
0: it win win <laughs> absolutely man unbelievable <sighs> but debo Debo's saying that he's willing to do whatever he wants. And that's, that was kind of interesting, but I guess he just wanted his bag. I think he is that team guy. I think he is willing to take the, you know, hybrid role. And speaking of his teammate as well, Brandon, Ayuk, he's been making plays all over the field with uh, Trey Lance uh, so far going, showing the hops, showing the, over the middle, showing the sidelines, a lot to get excited about San Francisco as well.
1: I mean, I love it for Debo. I think, I didn't want Debo to go anywhere because his skill set fits perfectly in a Kyle Shanahan offense. So I really on the inside, didn't want him to go anywhere else. And obviously now that he's paid, I'm sure he'll do whatever they ask of him. And we kind of saw last year, what his role is in this offense. Do we see a slight decrease in rushing numbers? I do think that we do with Trey Lance under center because some of those plays that went to Debo, they may kind of right in a way where Trey Lance is that guy every once in a while, not a lot. But still, you know, a little bit of a hit there. And, you know, now and again, maybe more inside the five-yard line. They called Lance's number a little bit more often. But overall, great for this offense. I love a lot of pieces in this offense. I like Eli Mitchell this year. I like Debo. I like Brandon Iuka I like George Kittle. There's a lot of pieces here. And, of course, Trey Lance. There's a lot of pieces. And it all revolves around Kyle Shanahan and his ability to get people the ball in a, a spot to be productive. And that's not going to change this year. I, I love it for the 49ers.
2: I moved Trey Lance all the way up to QB eight, I think.
1: Wow, oh, man. Well, You're pretty far away from the microphone, but even I heard you say QB eight.
2: Yeah, Not bad. because <laughs> I remember, I remember a few seasons ago. I let the group think get to me with Patrick Mahomes. I had him inside my top 10. You were peer pressured. He, I was peer pressured. I was peer pressured. I was still a little bit young in terms of industry you? standards. No, I wasn't with you yet. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't know you were with me now. <laughs> we weren't
2: here together yet. Oh, okay. um, together. I had him. I had him in the top 10 quarterbacks. And people were talking about the interceptions and everything like that. And I was like, I'm not worried about it. It's training camp, whatever. Right. And then I started to see like the quote unquote expert consensus rankings coming out. And people had Patrick Mahomes like mid-teens. I ended up dropping them all the way back to like 14 or 15 or something like that. And then I just watched him blow up, and I was like, SOB, I should have just kept him. I should just listen to myself. So I'm going to do the same thing with Trey Lance this year. I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to put him up there. I love him. I've been on him since, since day one saying, this is a guy. Come year two, he's going to sit all year one. He's going to come out. He's going to go gangbusters year two. Kyle Shanahan knows how to get the best of them. They've got the weapons there. As long as they stay healthy, I think Trey Lance is in for a huge year. And if he's not, then... I don't okay. think that anybody that's that it. plays fantasy
1: football can look at this situation and say that they like Jalen Hurts and not like Trey Lance. Hundred percent. Thank you,
2: thank you for saying is that, a, that. Is that a good way to say that? Hundred percent. I
0: think that's
1: a great way to say that.
0: And I think you gotta like Trey Lance a bit more.
1: I do too. Yeah. I yeah, I think Trey's a, a better passer than Jalen Absolutely. Hurts. Absolutely. So 100%. I mean, you can't sit here and say Jalen Hurts is underrated or he deserves to be higher and he should be a top five fantasy guy. And I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts shouldn't be. I'm just saying you can't say that and then say I don't like Trey Lance. Like you, they, they're they're going to be super similar this year, but Trey Lance has the higher touchdown passing touchdown ceiling, in my opinion.
0: Without question, without question, the arm strength and the arm talent. Maybe is one bigger. of the smartest
1: things I've ever said on this show, huh? I think
0: so. We going to mark that down as the smartest thing Jake has ever said. Ever, ever said. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> Before we get out of here, I want to touch this because it's very interesting. Alvin Kamara's court hearing his for his felony battery has again been postponed 60 days, and the reason I'm bringing this up because this is just constantly brings more confusion to the community and the listeners that are like, "What do I do with Alvin Kamara?" and i'm i'm in the same realm man i think i had him on my rankings at number 12 or 13 because of the suspension potential that could uh, suffice after this because this is a felony felony battery charge man i mean okay likely he will get that down to a non-felony charge which will still uh, you know spur the nfl uh what is it uh, uh violation of conduct so they're still going to suspend him and with deshaun watson getting six games you got to think it's going to be in that realm of 4 to 6 at least for a felony charge, for fuck's sakes. I mean, this is still a problem, but now 60 days, this puts us into what, October? And do they and will they ever, have we ever seen a player get disciplined to this level in season? I don't remember ever seeing this from something that has happened so far in the past. Josh
2: Gordon is the only person I can think of that. That's right, that's right. Like in season, getting like a big suspension. And I know Jake and I like in a couple of our previous videos we've kind of had two different sides to this in terms of terms of what we are doing. You know, when I did a mock draft a couple of weeks ago and I took him, I think I took him at the 2-3 turn, um, you know, I had mentioned at that point I was like There's talk that this thing is going to get pushed back again. And if it does, like, I can't see him being suspended this year. Like his suspension is going to come in 2023. And I think it's going to be the same thing. Like you said, this is going to get knocked down to a non-felony. He's not going to do any jail time. He's going to end up, he's going to end up paying a fine and probably doing community service and, you know, end up doing something for this guy. And, you know, that, I mean, that's just how it goes at this point. And then, yeah, Roger Goodell is going to step in in the offseason and say, okay, because of this, Kamara is now suspended. I was saying like probably six games and I'll probably stay in that six to eight area uh, as well at this point. But I just can't see them pushing it back till, you know, the middle of the season, almost having it happen, having it not be a non felony charge. And all of a sudden saying in the middle of a season, hey, nope, you're done at this point. If they were going to do that, they should have already stepped in and done it. If they were going to suspend him this year, I feel like it would have already come.
1: I kind of look at this as a, and I'm not trying to compare the two people. It's just a situation. It's like a Kareem Hunt situation. And the part that worries me the most, and the reason why I still don't think that no matter what comes out, I can hop on the Alvin Kamara bandwagon is if that video leaks at any time, Mm -hmm. he's going to be suspended immediately because people don't want the bad PR. And in a time like now, when everything seems to leak all over the place, people are always finding ways to do crap. It's just not out of the realm of possibilities that it's going to happen. I don't even know what's on the video. He obviously, there's a lot of speculation about it, and I'm not going to, you know, feed is there, it a, to, video? there is a,
0: video. a video?
2: Supposedly, there's a video, supposedly, yes. I and supposedly, it. they have said that Kamara was not really instigated in terms of having hands laid on him. Now, the guy was verbally back and forth with Kamara and Kamara's friends that were with him. But from what I've read, he didn't actually lay hands on Kamara. Now, here's one thing as well, and I'm going to feel kind of dirty saying this. The big thing between Hunt and Kamara is that Hunt hit a woman. And that is a little bit more of a shock factor, I believe, in terms of seeing it on tape and saying, oh, crap, this really happened. Whereas two dudes getting after each other or one dude getting knocked out. I said that weird. That was super weird. Uh, but one dude getting knocked out is not real. It doesn't have the shock factor to it. So I feel like even if it does leak, he's still not going to be suspended this year because it's not going to have that shock factor that what Hunt did because he hit a woman. So, I i mean, listen, Deshaun Watson's been sitting with 23 sexual conduct allegations against him. And the NFL didn't do anything until almost all of them were dismissed or settled. I mean, they've waited this entire time to do something. So I just can't imagine even with the video that they're going to be like, Oh yeah, let's do it. But like we mentioned a few minutes ago, who knows what the NFL is thinking at any given point. So yeah. it is a risk if you draft him, if you take him in the second round, which at this point, I think we're going to see that ADP climb. If I had to guess, I think we're going to see him get closer to the first at this point. Mm -hmm. if he goes, if he starts to go in the first round, by the time redraft leagues are in full effect, I'm out. But if I can get him still there towards the end of the second, I'm probably in this year and I risk it for the biscuit. Yeah. I don't hate it. I
1: mean, I understand it and I'm not saying the people who do it are wrong by any means. It's just one of those things that there's other people in that neighborhood that I would, if I had to choose between Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott right now, I'm taking Zeke, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that's just part of the thing that, because there's always all this talk and speculation of what is on that video, but what if it's not right? And what if, what if it shows Alvin Kumar just stomping a mud hole in somebody's face unprovoked? I mean, we have no idea, you know what I mean? And it's just kind of, it goes back to, I would rather not risk it right there personally, only because there's other options.
0: See, and it's interesting because Goodell likes to use his exempt list on players at a certain point of investigation. So as long as legal proceedings continue to move forward, he does not exercise the Uh exemplist, And as long as he doesn't do that, then the the player will be able to perform and play on the field. So it's, I don't know, the NFL in their legal ways, man. They think that they are the judge, the jury, and the police for Frick's sakes. And Alvin Kamara is an interesting one. He still is scary to me, but I I agree. I think if he's in the first round, I, I can't do it. And if he falls in the second, I'm good.
1: And here's another thing to think about, too. It's not the same old Alvin Kamara in this system anyway. Sean Payton isn't there. He's not True. the only target in town anymore. Michael Thomas looks like he's healthy. They drafted Chris Olave. They brought in Jarvis Landry. And we got Jameis Winston. So it's not just the Alvin Kamara show. Like, it has been the last two years. Yeah. And then add everything else on top of that.
2: That's why I'm hoping I, he becomes more efficient in the rushing, like, in the rushing Ooh. aspect of it. And even if he does lose some in the passing game, we see a guy that we can look at and say, Hey, he's definitely got lower RB one upside every single week, just because there's going to be so much efficiency potential there. If James Winston doesn't turn the ball over 30 times, right?
0: He's got the new eyes. He's fine. He's, he's gonna, good. He's got he, got got the, he
2: had that LASIK.
0: Yeah. He's good. He's got <laughs> brand new eyes, man. New vision, but wow. Yeah. yeah. Michael Thomas looks good. I'm not buying that either. He looks good though. Looks I'm going to so get so much until I fans. see him in
2: game action. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm not going to game. Gonna... I do. I agree. But I, he looks, I wanted to see how his cutting would be going. And I mean, he's fluid. I don't see any limp. I don't but do see. Do you any... not see
2: some of the routes kind of
1: rounded
0: off a little bit? They are. I get it. Doesn't it, I mean, yes. it, do- it doesn't look sharp. Yeah. It doesn't. He looks quick. Yeah. And, and I mean, at least the burst is there and he's not really like limping after every play. I think that's a huge step forward.
1: Yeah. I just don't see, like, when I see it, I'm like, that didn't seem like real sharp. It just seemed like a little bit more rounded than, than I would come to expect from somebody. Who is as highly regarded as he is at the position? I still think people are buying, you know, production from four years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they see Michael Thomas and they associate it with that and not the differences that are in this offense now compared to what they were back then.
0: He's not going to be Slap Boy anymore. He's going to be Round oh, Off. He'll boys. probably still be Slam Boy. Round Off Boy. <laughs> round Off Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got. So, I mean, good stuff as always. Injuries. Let's keep the injuries out training camp you devil i mean shit we want healthy teams for the season
1: yeah absolutely 100 percent uh yeah
0: please all the big names please stay healthy for us yeah man i can't handle it anymore but anyway i know you guys gotta get out of here so on that note that is the show thanks so much for tuning in to all listeners thank you for all the support and we'll see you next time stay safe and be kind to each other i'm out